You got it, Ian? You got it. All right. I need some monitor there, buddy. I made it through my first week being 50. Yeah, I forgot my name three times. I went to the grocery store and got all my stuff and got up to the front of the aisle and realized my billfold was at home. And I discovered that if I get to bed by 8 o'clock every night, I don't forget my name as often. I'm joking. Okay, got a real live crowd here tonight, I can tell. Yeah, okay, you guys seem older than me. I mean, gee, many Christmas. I really appreciate the, the little necklace that you gave me last week. I've been, you know, taking that to bed with me each night. And the cane, I threw away. So, sorry about that. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings, but I, I don't want to be thinking about using a cane yet. Now, maybe next year, maybe when I'm 51, I might be needing the cane, but, but not this year. You know, I was thinking this week, I don't know, I'm just in a reflective mood, of just how extraordinarily blessed we are as Christians. And just what an extraordinary blessed life we have because of Christ. And I want to talk with you about that this evening. My son loaned me a DVD this week. We both have a blockbuster movie pass, but he has the kind where you order online and they deliver it to your door in the mail. And so they have like tens of thousands and more DVD selections than I can get at the store. And so since we're both musicians, he thought I'd be interested in this. It's about, it's about a man named Towns Van Zandt. Uh, most people never heard of Towns Van Zandt, but he was a singer, songwriter in the... Uh, late 70s and early 80s, and he died, I think it was in 1996 at age 52. And as I watched the DVD, you know, he had guys like uh, Steve Earle commenting on him, and Lyle Lovett, and Chris Christopherson, and Emmylou Harris, maybe some of these people you've heard of, maybe you haven't. And I just watched... One performance after another, one interview after another. I watched them interviewing his kids. He had three wives, kids from each family. And and I realized, you know what the world calls blessed? is actually a horrible life. And I just began to reflect as I watched this show. I began to think of Bob Dylan. Let me give you an example. If you ever see Bob Dylan's original performances with, say, Joan Baez or himself at the Newport Folk Festival, here's what you notice about Bob Dylan. He's about 21 years old, and he's always smiling. You notice Bob Dylan now, after a lifetime of fame, every single interview, the man never cracks a smile. His face is lined with pain and grief and a life that is wasted. He has a son who won't speak to him. And I was thinking as they were interviewing this man, Towns Van Zandt, they interviewed his kids. And every single one of his families, you know, he moved on. He abandoned for the road. He abandoned for music. He was a complete drunk. No one stepped in to stop him. Nobody loved him enough to help him out. They just kind of all joked and laughed and 
You know, Towns was a genius, and I thought, if this is what it means to be a genius, what does it mean to be a fool? Several years ago, I was watching, I was traveling, speaking, and I was watching, um, you know, behind the music, VH1 behind the music, only this one wasn't about behind the music, it was about Saturday Night Live, and particularly uh, Chris Farley. I don't know if you know this, but at least half of the cast that have ever been on Saturday Night Live have died already. They've died. Their lives were so empty and so meaningless. Even uh, Robin Williams commented recently, well, this is probably a couple years ago, in an interview. When the interviewer, I was maybe Barbara Walters, asked him, was he happy? And he got very emotionally said, I would, I would give anything to have peace. It's amazing, isn't it? How, how, how quickly we become deceived and misunderstand what it really means to have a blessed life. The word blessed means to be fortunate or lucky or exceedingly happy. It means that in some way you have this charmed and enchanted life. But what God means by that, and of course what the world means by that, and if we pull back the curtain of the world, what we really find is what the devil means by that is something completely different. Something completely different. And I thought it would be good this evening for us just to focus on what it really means to have a blessed life and just how incredibly fortunate we are. I'm going to read to you this evening from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8, and I'm starting with verse 17. Ian, if you could turn this up for me a little more in the monitor, I'd appreciate it. And since we are His children, we will share His treasures. For everything God gives to His Son Christ is ours also. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share in His suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will give us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, everything on earth was subjected to God's curse. All of creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit in us as a foretaste of future glory, we also groan to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as His children, including the new bodies He promised us. Now that we're saved, we eagerly look forward to this freedom. For if you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. But if you look forward to something you don't yet have, you must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for at times, nor how we should pray. But the Spirit of God prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's will. And we know that God causes everything to work for good for those who love God 
and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him and he gave them right standing with himself. He justified them and promised them his glory. What can we say about such incredible things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? Will God accuse us? No. He is the one who's given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No. For He is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us. And He's sitting at the place of highest honor next to God, interceding for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or we're hungry or cold or in danger or distress or threatened by death? No. In spite of all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from His love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell cannot keep God's love away. Whether we're high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I read it often, I reflect on it often. You know, people have asked me, without giving you all the details, but most of you know about my family situation presently. Mark, how is it that you even smile? You know, how do you, how do you go through these last two and a half years with your daughter being so extremely sick, watching her suffer, not being able to do anything about it. And it has been, at times, more than I could bear. In fact, even tonight it would be more than I could bear without the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. But someone once asked me, they said, Mark, almost every time I see you, I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect by any means, but almost every time I see you, you're smiling. People came up to my family at the benefit. And, you know, my children, they smile. One of the first things you notice is a smile. Where does it come from? It comes from the reality that though we have sorrow in this life, I still have an extraordinarily blessed life. I reflect on and I focus on what I have in Jesus Christ. No one can take that away from me. You know, it's interesting, as we get older, and of course, turning 50 last week, last Friday, you tend to reflect. I reflect often on how brief my life is. The older I get, the more aware I become of it. I'm, I'm more tired. I never used to be tired. I mean, I, I really didn't. But I'm far more tired, and my legs, even though... Really, I work out and I stay in shape. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care what Jack LaLanne says on TV or the Juice Man. Sometimes my legs feel like I have lead weights on them. 
And I used to look at, you know, older. I have this, uh, this dear, sweet, elderly couple in my neighborhood. And uh, this is them every morning about 7.30. And he's holding her arm. And I'm not, I'm not joking. And they walk all the way around the block like this. And I remember when I first saw him, you know, I thought, oh, that's cute. And wow, you know, they're walking really slow. <laughs> I'm starting to slow down. I notice sometimes when I'm walking next to my son, Michael, we might go, you know, I don't know, to the mall somewhere, walking into the movie theater or something. And I used to be a faster walker. And now I'm like, uh, could, you, could you slow down a little bit, son? I was talking to, oh, this is so funny. Uh, of course, it's all about perspective. I was talking to a 25-year-old recently, 25-year-old young lady. And I don't know, she, she was a little, uh, being a little, uh, you know, um, I don't know if melancholy is the word expressive. She goes, you know, Mark, I, I turned 25 half a year ago. It's all downhill, man. Everything's starting to sag. And I'm like, I'm like okay, well, I, I really didn't need to know that. But, but it's true. Wait till you're 50. Sometimes I stand in the mirror and I go, you know, I wonder what a facelift would be like. <laughs> Jeez, it does make a big difference. And so, you know, we, we, have, we, not, we, have, we not only have extreme home makeover, but we have the extreme body makeover, extreme face makeover, extreme body part makeover. And you understand, even though, even though frankly, it's a waste of money because you're going to die anyway and you're going to rot in the grave. But as a Christian, you won't, see? As a Christian, we have the ultimate Botox. We're going to get a brand new body. A brand new body is waiting for you and I. Not an empty casket. Not a rotten, worm-filled, old, just decrepit nothing down there. You and I have a new body waiting. There's a new world waiting. There's a new home waiting. We look at what's going on in the world. You know, let's just be honest. For many of you, if you follow the news, some of you may not. Some of you either because you haven't hit that age yet where you're really interested. And I remember that age. Or, or you're an ostrich with your head in the sand. The world is spinning faster and faster and faster out of control. And you see what's going on in Lebanon and what's going on in Israel and what's going on in the Middle East. And you see all here about all the wars that are taking place on the continent of Africa and all the starvation and you see what's going on with North Korea. And you realize it's really a scary world and what's going to happen to our world. And of course, the global warming people are trying to scare you to death that the polar ice caps are going to come down and flood you all. Well, let me tell you, whether they get down here or not, God is going to destroy the whole planet. It's going to be gone. But you and I as a Christian, we have a new planet. We have a new universe, a new world that we're going to go to and we'll never grow old and we'll never get sick and there'll never be sorrow. And you won't have to work another day in all of eternity. It'll all be over. And then we think about this life. You know, I was thinking about the song that the band played tonight. Song by the Wrecker is actually Michelle Branch. She branched out to a new career. And she's kind of gone a little country. God will never break your heart. You have someone in your life 
who loves you beyond what you could ever desire to be loved. Nothing can separate you and I from the love of God. I can't tell you how many times in my home, it's my wife and daughter have been gone now three months out in Arizona, this clinic. Some nights, oh yeah, sure, I miss them. In the sense that I had them and now I don't, I feel lonely for them. I miss them. And I sit there in my rocking chair sometimes. I got this, my wife bought me this log rocking chair. It's made out of these rough-hewn logs. And I'll sit in and some nights I'm reflective. Some nights I've just sobbed. As I think about what my daughter's going through, my inability to stop it. But often I sit and reflect, Lord... No one can take you from me. You're with my wife in Arizona. You're with us here. And though the world, though the world, all these people out there, you know, I think these things. There's all these people out there who have their health and they don't deserve their health. My daughter doesn't have her health and deserves her health. And yet, Lord, you have a purpose in this. You're working it for good. You know exactly why you're doing what you're doing. There's no random chance here. There's no massive cosmic mistake and I find rest and peace if it was not for that the mental anguish that I would have to deal with would be more than I could handle and I would probably do what others do drink give me a pill give me a weed give me some way to numb the painful realities and the emptiness, and the sorrow, and the sadness of life. And then sometimes when we're in that kind of situation, don't we find ourselves jealous and envious of the good life, the quote, good life, that we see others and we think they have. They don't have it. They don't have it behind the walls of those beautiful homes are broken and empty people, many of whom do not know Jesus Christ. And so they go from one mistress to another, or one addiction to another. We have Christ. We have Jesus Christ. We have the love of God. We have the forgiveness of God. If you ever... You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just... Have you ever done something in your life, it just kind of ate away, it just eats away at you, and you feel incredibly guilty for it? Guilt is a terrible taskmaster. A lot of times, you know, people try to, uh, try to soothe their conscience, just pretend, well, it, it, it doesn't really matter. I was watching, again, going back to this movie, this DVD about Town Van Zandt's life, and And I listened to his children. They interviewed his children. He has one older son, about 20. A son who they talked to is about 15. A daughter who's about 9. He ruined their lives. All these stars are talking about, oh, he's wonderful. He's a genius. He's a wonderful guy. Bob Dylan had a tragic influence on Jacob Dylan's life. And Jacob may travel, he may have the band The Wallflowers, and you may look at his life and go, oh man, he's got gorgeous blue eyes, great hair, he's got great stage presence, he's really talented. Jacob Dylan is empty inside. 
And there's a brokenness in his life because he had a terrible father. And there are countless lives like that out there in the world. And guilt just ravages your life. <clears throat> but we have Christ. And what Christ gives to us is not that we're better than anybody else. He forgives our sins. And He's forgiven them. And we can lay our head on our pillow every night with a clear conscience, knowing I'm forgiven. I'm right with God. And not only are we right with God, but God is doing everything He can to bring good into your life. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God didn't spare His Son, will He not along with His Son freely give us everything else? Listen, anything that really matters, that's really important, that's really important, God will give you. No good thing, the Bible says, that God withhold, with, withhold from those who walk in His ways. No good thing. No good thing. God knows what He's doing with your life. God has your best interest in mind all the time. Many has been the time that I've just sat again reflecting on my circumstances and, and just telling the Lord, you know what, Lord? I realize once again, you love my daughter Jessica more than, you, more than I love her. You care about her more than I care about her. And Lord, You've not brought this into our lives to destroy our life, but in some significant way to bless our lives through what appears to be a terrible set of circumstances. And I go over and over and over and over. David says in Psalm 27, I would have despaired unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Let your heart take courage. Be strong. Wait for the Lord. Why? Because we are a blessed people. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 16, again, don't know if you've reflected on this lately, through His grace, we have all received one blessing after another, after another, after another. This is all God knows how to do. God has never one time brought something truly bad into my life. On a temporary basis, what God's allowed may be difficult, hard, uncomfortable, painful, and it may be disguised in a bad package, but behind it all is the loving wisdom of God and the goodness of God. <clears throat> I was telling Jessica not too long ago, I said, you know, Jesse, God has given you an opportunity in this life and He is setting you up for glory. He's setting you up for eternal glory. <clears throat> the Bible says, Paul writes in Romans, I just read, but another version says, for I consider that my present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in me. When God allows suffering in your life, it's only so He can put more gold medals around your neck in the life to come. In the life to come. I think about the fact that so many people, 
you see reflected in movies, you know, often, not always, but often movies reflect the emptiness and the loneliness, the common experiences or the struggles or dreams and aspirations that we have as human beings. I was thinking about recently how lonely most people are. They're just lonely. They don't really have someone in their life who really cares. They don't really have someone in their life they can go talk to no matter what's happening in their life. But you and I, we have a constant companion. His name is Jesus Christ. And He lives in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And no matter what's going on in our life, at any time, we can give God our burdens. We just say, here, you know what, God? Just take this. And He'll carry it. He gives us His comfort. He gives us His encouragement. He gives us His presence. He gives us His grace and power to deal with the things that otherwise we'd be left on our own. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, verse 3, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. One day, this whole new world is going to open up for you and I. And you're going to see it with your own eyes. You're going to taste it with your own mouth. In the meantime, we experience it by faith. We know it by faith. And that's what gives our faith such power. We see it in a distance. We know that right now in my present environment, nothing could separate me from God. No one can accuse me. No one can go to God and say, you know what, I think you should condemn Mark or you should condemn him or condemn her because Christ has made me right with God. Now, you know, it's interesting. All of the things we've talked about tonight are the most extraordinary things in life. They they last forever and ever and ever. God is not only our future home, but He's our present provider. And you you know, it's easy to be enticed with the other things we see in this life. It's kind of like being... I have a lot of friends that have never been... They've never had the opportunity to travel to other parts of the world. I remember the first time I went to Honduras... Honduras is um, probably the, next to Nicaragua, the poorest country on what we would term um, our continent. Well, you know, Mexico is connected right down there, Panama. Anyway, it's the poorest in Central America. And if you want to see incredible poverty, you go to a place like Honduras. You see people, lots of them, thousands of them living in cardboard boxes with plastic roofs, plastic sheets, garbage, right in the city, right in the hill. And you'll see moms down in a river where there's animals drinking and people bathing, washing clothes. When you see that and then you come back to the United States, for a while it's branded in your mind. You realize, my goodness, I am so blessed. And then what tends to happen is you lose the picture. You lose the reality. You get caught up in everyday life and pretty soon um, your nice car isn't so nice anymore. And the roof over your head isn't so nice anymore. And the bed you have to lay in every day 
isn't so nice anymore. And the TV, of course, is bombarding you with all these images and you start to want and you start to want and you start to want. You know what the devil tries to do in our mind? He tries to deceive us and make us think that the human condition on this planet is better than it really is. He's constantly lying to us about the reality of sin and the devastation of sin in this world. And we need to start taking the time to to get in here and grasp just how blessed you and I really are. Just what an extraordinary thing it is that Jesus Christ did for you and I. And what it means to have God, the most important person in the universe, always loving us. Always loving us. It would be a tragedy to go through this life and miss the most significant blessing of your life, and that is the spiritual realities that Christ has made possible to you and I. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we just thank You tonight for the reality of Your love, the reality of Your forgiveness, the reality of Your provision, of Your comfort, of Your mercy, of Your presence day in and day out in our lives. Lord, we think about the Apostle Paul. He was writing this letter in Romans to a group of Christians in the most extraordinary, powerful, glorious kingdom that many believe there ever was. The reign of Rome was a thousand years. Our nation is a little over 200 years old. The glory of Rome was a thousand year reign. And Paul is writing to these Christians who have seen the pomp and the wealth and the power of the emperors and the Caesars, the great extraordinary architecture, much of which still remains, some of it today. And yet Paul says it pales in comparison to what we Christians have. Even though we're beaten down, even though we long for our future home, Lord, we have a home to go to. We have an eternal place that will never fade away. Our glory will never fade away. You collect every tear that we cry in Your bottle. You record all of our life in Your book. And You have a book for each and every one of us that records all that we did for You. And our fame will never fade. Father, I just praise You tonight for the blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing that You have given to us as Your children. Thank You for them. Oh God, pray that You would open our eyes that we might be gripped by the reality of them, that we might understand them, that we might revel in them, that they might really bring joy and delight to our heart and that the things of this earth would grow strangely dim to us and unimportant in light of the glory and the grace of God. In Jesus' name, Amen.